As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the Big Football Show here at The Athletic. I'm joined by Jesse Temple, our Wisconsin writer, and I, of course, am Ari Wasserman because I'm on 900 podcasts. Um, is that like a brag or me complaining? I can't tell. You pick one. Um, That's an absolute – it's not even a humble brag. It's a straight-up brag. Well, speaking of bragging, why don't you go ahead and we'll start the podcast off with you bringing me down a notch. This is the uh, weekly Friday show where we give you our picks, and then Jesse every week humiliates me with how terrible I did. So why don't you just pick up where we left off last week, Jesse? I think that sounds about right. So to recap, uh, I went two and three last week. It was not the greatest week, but I correctly picked Iowa to cover against Illinois and Ohio State to cover against Michigan State. Iowa was a 13 and a half point favorite. So thank you, Hawkeyes, for winning by 14. And Ohio State was a 23 and a half point favorite and won by 40 despite missing several key players due to COVID-19. You may recall, Ari, that you thought there was no way in hell the Buckeyes were going to cover that thing because you didn't know who would be available. Uh, you were wrong, so I'm, I'm just going to make you aware of that. That makes you one and four last week, so season man, totals. Man. I'm now 21 and 16 against the spread. You are 14 and 23. For those counting at home, that's nine games under 500 and seven games behind me. So to all you listeners out there, I hope you have been pining for Ari's picks because he, he's led you astray. I guess I hope you haven't been. But. Well, I guess this makes sense because my bookie knocked on my front door yesterday with a metal baseball bat. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the way it's been feeling this year. But I want to say two things before we get into this podcast, Jesse. One, I regretted immediately picking Wisconsin, laying 14 um, last week. And on the following day show with Andy Staples, I switched my pick. Now, that doesn't count for our tally, but I just want to make sure that I don't sound like an idiot. I took the 14 and told people to buy up 14 and a half. Um, cause it just seemed like too many points for a team that was so inconsistent in Indiana, I thought was actually pretty good. And it turns out they were, so I'm not going to take full responsibility for that one. And then also once they released the availability report Saturday morning for the Ohio state, Michigan state game, I 
and you can go find the receipts on Twitter. I called that a Black Friday discount, on the, and I said they're going to win by 100 because once I had a better idea of who was playing in the game, it's easier to handicap. So I took the points out of default because we didn't know who was playing, but once the, they found out who was playing, I changed that pick too. So for the, for the purpose of this podcast, you're still winning by 100. I still suck. You're still the god. But for the people who are listening, I hope that I can at least get some semblance of credit for coming to my senses for the Wisconsin game and then changing the Ohio State pick once we had the proper information. What do you think? Well, I think it's a good thing this show airs on Friday, which would be the day before you see any availability of rosters. That's the whole point of this. So well, the easy, whole point to of see, it, yeah. easy to see right before kickoff if you've got the time to run to your bookie 20 minutes before kickoff. Well, it's all done online. You can do it pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, but you just said your bookie knocked on your door and he had a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, and I'm taking you. I'm taking you at face value because you don't want to know about how my SEC picks are going. Um, so, but the interesting dynamic though about this season, Jesse, when it comes to a gambling standpoint, is that it is impossible because games are getting canceled, players are being ruled out, availability reports aren't out, and you know in this. In this year, you can bet a game, and then 10 minutes before kickoff, the best player on the team that you bet on isn't playing. So if you're a gambler, for pure sake of entertainment, then you know all the power to you. But in terms of efficiency of winning money this year, I think that you could make the argument that this is the hardest year ever to gamble on college football and in sports in general. So, Yeah, well, I agree. I actually had uh, my pick in for Indiana-Purdue. And then, lo and behold, that game is not happening. I can't even remember a week where we've made these picks and there have been seven games from which to choose. There are only five this week. Well, obviously, the other biggie is no Ohio State-Michigan, and I'm sure we'll get into the Buckeyes now. Being in the Big Ten championship game and the Big Ten changing its rules because it was convenient. Yeah, so Jesse, um, as somebody who covers the, the Big Ten West extensively, Wisconsin specifically, um, did you think this was the right thing to do? Uh, Ohio State... Now we'll play in the Big Ten Championship, of course, after the Big Ten amended its rule of the six-game minimum um, to put Ohio State in. I think the reasoning behind that uh, is because Ohio State won the head-to-head matchup with the team they were going to send in front of them. And even if Ohio State were to have lost to Michigan this week as a result of the of the canceled game, Ohio State still would have had the tiebreaker to go. Um, what is your thought process on how this looks and, and how the Big Ten handled this? I'll start by saying I don't have a problem with this because it's – Evident that Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten, and it would be a real shame if the Buckeyes couldn't represent the conference in the college football playoff, assuming that they're able to win out. The thing that troubles me a little bit is that why establish a rule like this in the first place? Um, Rules in 2020 are essentially arbitrary and and meaningless. That's what this tells me. Um, You know, the Big Ten to me has bungled a lot of different things, and I've said it before the, the fact that they thought that they would get eight games in in eight weeks. Um, it's laughable now. I believe there's only three teams now that, if assuming the rest of the games go off this weekend, will have played every game. So I, I think that's most interesting. Another question that I would have, and this is, there's no way to know this, but just as someone who covers Wisconsin, the Badgers have had three games canceled and certainly have not played well at all in the last two games. But let's just say this was a situation that affected Wisconsin and not Ohio State. What if the Badgers were three and one. I'm not even saying if they were undefeated, I think it would be a little bit different because they'd sort of be in Ohio State's position where it'd be a top six team. But let's just say they were three and one at this stage and had beaten Northwestern and were in position to go to the Big Ten Championship but didn't have enough games. 
I just wonder, would the Big Ten have bent the rules in that scenario if the Badgers weren't necessarily a playoff team? So to me, that's that's something that I, I consider. Uh, but I do want to go back to, I think it's it's appropriate for Ohio State to be in the Big Ten championship game because they are the best team. Yeah, I, I have a lot um, of thoughts on this. One... I think everybody who likes Big Ten football, Jesse, thinks, and with the benefit of hindsight, that the way the Big Ten handled the entire season was dumb. To put an eight-game schedule um, in the middle of the fall and into the winter when scientists had been warning for a spike uh, and to expect that all the games would be played without open weeks to adjust was crazy, right? But the thing that I always say in, in result to this, or as a result of that thought, is if I were to tell you, Jesse, in July that Wisconsin would have two or three games canceled, that their roster would be infected, that there would be breakouts at every program basically in the Big Ten, that teams would be playing through um, situations where they had 23 players out because of COVID restrictions, whether it be infected or contact tracing. If I would have painted the entire picture of what this season looked like in July to you, or what it looks like now to you in July, you would have been like, there's no freaking way they're going to play through this. So the goalposts, to borrow the favorite Twitter term, have moved. So the fact that things are different from a um, standpoint of what we're willing to deal with in terms of risk and what we're willing to play through has changed. So if we knew this in July, then the Big Ten should have just started with everybody else. Now, there was some worry about myocarditis at the time, and in the time since, scientists have felt comfortable that that's not really a factor. And that's part of the reason why the risk temperament for what's going on here has shifted a little bit. But the one thing that I will say is that it's so easy now to say what the Big Ten is stu- did was stupid. I think the playing the sport was stupid if you're going to get all wrapped up about it because everybody's had issues across the board. The other two conferences that started early just had the benefit of, of changing things. But guess what? It's 2020 and everything has to be changed. Now, the rule was arbitrary to begin with. I don't know why they put the rule in the way that you said it, but what was it supposed to help avoid? A two-win team going to the Big Ten Championship over a five-win team? The fact of the matter is is that rules are rules, and if that's your analysis, I think there's something off with you because you have to be able to critically think. As you move forward, the more information that you have and the more results that you have to deal with things cause us the ability to analyze and dissect whether the rule is having the intended purpose. And if it's not, you change it, which is the reason why the rules from 1900 and the laws are different today because they don't apply anymore. So, yes, it looks bad. Ohio State, of course, everybody says gets preferential treatment. But the fact of the matter is, is I do think that Wisconsin would get the benefit of the doubt. If there was a clear-cut champion in the West and this rule was stopping them from playing, even though everybody on earth knows what the the score is, then you change it. Because listen, if you're going to play a season and you're going to go through all this, risking your health, risking your team's health, the coach's health... You're playing for a reason. You want to crown a legitimate national, or I mean, a, a legitimate conference champion. Now, some might think, well, Ohio State's doing this because they want to, or they're doing this for Ohio State because they want Ohio State to make the playoff. There is some validity to that because there's a great benefit in the Big Ten of a team going from the conference to the college football playoff. But really, if you analyze it, the best thing for Ohio State's playoff stature right now isn't playing Northwestern for a Big Ten title. It's getting as many games as possible to add resume bullet points to their resume. So if the Big Ten was concerned with Ohio State's playoff candidacy, they would have gotten Ohio State a game Saturday. 
and they would have gotten Ohio State two games. I would think you could make the argument that Ohio State would be better off playing um, Iowa and Michigan without a Big Ten championship than just playing Northwestern once. The more games right now, the better. So if Indiana were in reverse situations and Indiana beat Ohio State, they were undefeated and they were in the top eight of the playoff ranking and they had the same exact scenario going for them, I would be banging my fist against the table as hard as I could until my, my, my fist was bleeding for Indiana to go. And I think that the logic that the Big Ten doesn't want to prop up and create a legitimate champion in a messed up year where things have to change out of necessity is crazy. It's crazy. Of course they want to... Do you want, after doing all this, all the infections, all the illness, all the moving stuff around, all the logistical nightmares, everything to crown a fake champion? That lost head-to-head -to, -head to the team that's not there? It's nuts. Yeah, you were on your soapbox there for a while. I, I, I don't is it a soapbox like, or is it, you know, do you agree with me? Like, I, I just like it's crazy. I've been reading tweets for three days and I'm trying to like get the idea of like what people think. And I understand that if you're an Indiana fan, it sucks because your team has having the best season in program history. You played hard against the team they're going to send ahead of you. There was a rule in place that made you feel comfortable that you were going. And not only did your rivalry game against Purdue get canceled, also, which sucks, for, for the first time in 100 years, the same way the Ohio State-Michigan game got canceled, you also got the information that you're not going to get to play for a Big Ten championship for the first time. I get it. It sucks. But what, what sucks and what's right are two different things. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think those are those are good points all around. The one thing that I, I don't know if I necessarily agree on is to say that it would be in the best interests for Ohio State to play more than the Big Ten championship game. If they beat Northwestern in that game, to me, they're going to the playoff, even if other teams have played 10, 11 games. Uh, you know, they're fourth in the college football playoff right now. There's just it's an impossibility to me that they would be undefeated and drop. So if they were to play more games, there would hypothetically be a larger risk for them to not be undefeated, to not make the playoff. But either way, I... I generally agree with your points, and ultimately, to me, it just goes back to that the Big Ten made a stupid rule and has made several stupid decisions. Uh, obviously, they wanted to do this in the interest of the safety of the players initially, but to me, they're just they're, what is what is safe about providing no flexibility and and making these teams soldier on uh, and then have to cancel all these games. But uh, I know we got to get to some picks because that's why people are listening. Yeah, I. Uh, um... You know, the way it is right now, I, I think that Ohio State's in a nice position to make the playoff. What I do know is that there are disaster scenarios for them, and that disaster scenario is Florida beating Bama and uh, Notre Dame losing to Clemson. Then you've got four one-loss teams that have a stake in it, and then all of a sudden Ohio State's only played six games, and then you have a lot of people saying they didn't play enough games. They weren't exposed enough to losses. They don't have the wear and tear on their body. I think that there is a scenario where you could talk yourself into Ohio State not making the playoff. And let me just ask you bluntly. What is a better resume? Ohio State 6-0 and with a win over Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game and a trophy? Or the same exact resume that Ohio State already has but replacing the, Wisconsin, the, the hypothetical Northwestern win with a win over Iowa and then Michigan? Uh, so you're saying 
So it'd be seven and zero, no Wisconsin. Big Championship. Yeah, or six and zero Big Ten Championship, but the two opponents that yeah. are similar, I think I would say that Iowa and Northwestern are very similar from a resume standpoint. So yeah, I think I'm that Ohio. Yeah, I understand. I think initially you said playing Wisconsin in the Big Ten. Championship, oh, that was a mistake. But I think you. Meant, yeah, I, think I you meant, meant Northwestern. Northwestern. Yeah. Uh, so the question is playing uh, Michigan this week and in Iowa, rather than just playing Northwestern or switching it around. If the if the Big Ten really wanted to play favorites, they could have switched around the schedule. Ohio State is the only team in the conference that has had two games canceled from COVID um, issues from an opponent. So if the Big Ten really wanted to play favorites, they could have switched around the schedule this week and put Ohio State in a position to play uh, another opponent on Saturday to bolster their resume to get them up to seven wins. Because I think the difference between six and seven, though it seems marginal, might actually just be a psychological boost. So I would argue that beating... Uh, Iowa this weekend in some second place play in game if they switched the weekends around and then preserved the rivalry game for the following week would be a more strong resume for Ohio State's playoff contention than it would to have the warm feeling inside of winning the Big Ten championship. And I know it might sound crazy because I'm sure in Madison and most other places in the Big Ten winning a Big Ten championship would be like the greatest thing that ever happened to the program but Ohio State the second the Michigan game got canceled it was already on to what does this mean for the playoff. The Big Ten Championship trophy isn't as important to the team um, as achieving bigger goals. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter to them, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't get to play for it. But the big deal here is whether or not they're going to put together a resume that keeps them out of danger of being left out. I just don't see a situation where an undefeated Ohio State team even playing six games is left out because they're already in the position of being fourth. Let's just say hypothetically that the college football playoff rankings came out and they were sixth or seventh like that like Cincinnati which is 8-0 was ahead of Ohio State or you mentioned Florida Texas A&M which is A&M's fifth Florida sixth like that would be a difficult scenario I think to see the path forward for Ohio State to leapfrog a team where Florida won that game or something like that but because they're already sitting there in fourth and they've beaten an Indiana team that's 12th right now in the playoff ranking and they're going to play a Northwestern team that's 14th I just don't see a situation where they fall out of the playoff race, even though they'll only play six games and some of these other teams are playing 10, 11, 12 games. It may not be fair. It may not feel right to some of these other teams, uh, but this is 2020. And kind of like you said, uh, you know, what sucks and what's right are different things. Yeah. So it's just uh, the thing, too, that is so funny to me, Jesse, is in a year where nothing is right, in a year where everything is crazy, in a year where every conference has had to innovate in order to try to get through this season. The outrage met by the attempt of innovation during a certain time is just so crazy to me. It's like, what did people think was going to happen? That they were going to set a rule that they made before the season and then everything was going to go off the rails and then everything was supposed to go the way they initially planned? Nothing about the season for any conference, regardless of when they start, has gone according to plan. So what do you do? You do the best that you can in the moment with the information that you have. And the information that they have is that Ohio State's the best team in the conference. I know people are tired of Ohio State and they hate them. I get it. That's part of sports and being a college football fan. But the reason why they're in the situation that they're in is because they're the team that's built to do this. So, you know, if Michigan were undefeated or Wisconsin were undefeated or any of the other teams, Penn State, Michigan State, that have competed at a high level in the past decade were in this situation, I think that everybody would be equally as okay with making the reasonable decision here because reason is reason, whether you like Ohio State or not. 
That was a uh, was I so I'm gonna let you talk for the rest of the podcast and make my picks. <laughs> <laughs> You've used up your allotment of words for the rest of the season. Okay, no, I think it was I think it's a good discussion, uh, but I think we should get into some picks. Okay, all right, Jesse, um, you're first, no matter what, now because I've got to catch up, and those are the rules. Uh, that, right. they, those well, rules I'm, are rules. Okay, rules are rules. Yes. They can't be changed until we, they can be changed when it is convenient. <laughs> anyway, I'm, con- I'm, I think we I'm the big start, ten. Okay, yeah, I think we should start with the best. Uh, to me. Maybe the most interesting game, certainly the closest line, which would be Wisconsin-Iowa. Um, I don't know if this is a great week for Big Ten football with some of these other matchups, but to me that one stands out because it is a pick And I believe this is our first pick uh, of the year. So I think that's kind of interesting. I'll let, I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to scam your pick here, man, but you cover Wisconsin. I think that you should talk about it first. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just gonna I, I'm just gonna start right off the bat by saying I, I am picking Iowa in this one because I just have a minimal confidence in what Wisconsin's offense uh, will be based on what I've seen the last two games. The offense has been a mess the last two games, in part because the Badgers haven't had their full complement of wide receivers. We just talked to head coach Paul Christ, and he said that he does not expect Danny Davis to be be available. So Danny is one of the top two receivers on the team. He hasn't played, I think, since the Michigan game. Um, probably no coincidence that the, the passing game hasn't been where it's needed to be with him out. But you look at the last two games, Wisconsin's lost to Northwestern and Indiana, ruining what could have been a really good season. Seven turnovers by the offense in those two games. And Graham Mertz has six of those turnovers. He's thrown four interceptions. He's lost two fumbles. I really like what freshman running back Jalen Berger has done to emerge as the number one guy. But Wisconsin still doesn't have a 100-yard rusher on the roster, which completely blows my mind. Probably what if Berger got more touches. Iowa's run defense has been exceptional. They're first in the Big Ten allowing 2.8 yards per carry. So I see a significant challenge for the offense. And the other thing that I think is interesting is that Wisconsin has a really good defense, like statistically on pace to be one of the best that that the school's ever had. But I, I just don't feel good about the offense going into this game. So even though Wisconsin has owned Iowa this decade, Iowa's won five straight games this season, and they're the hottest team in the Big Ten West. And for that reason, in a pick'em game at Kinnick Stadium, I'm going with the Hawkeyes. Every single time you pick against Wisconsin, you lose, right? You might be right, and you need to catch up. So I have a general sense of where you might be going with this. Wisconsin, no analysis needed. Who's the best player on the team or on on the field in that game? Are you going to tell me it's Graham Mertz? I want to know what your opinion is. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know that. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that. Is, it's Gra- Graham is saying right Graham now. Mertz is crazy? He has not played well the last two games, and he hasn't had a, a full complement of players, and he's not going to have it again. So it's just difficult for me to believe that the offense is going to figure something out, which, by the way, Indiana knew Wisconsin's uh, signs from the sideline last week. Graham Mertz had to run to the sideline after every play to talk to the backup quarterbacks. So Indiana couldn't see the sign. He said that before plays, Indiana was calling out outside zone like they knew what was coming. Pulse today said uh, that he felt like that was a little bit overblown. But, I mean, if the other team's stealing your signs, uh, that's a problem. I'm going Wisconsin. Okay. (laughs) I like your hard-hitting analysis. (laughs) Um. Well, I mean, we've been on the podcast for 21 minutes, Jesse. I I, I can't talk. Yeah, I thought we said that. Here. Yeah, okay. Next game, the biggest game of the week, Maryland and Rutgers. Um, what was the line that you had on this one? 
Uh, seven and a half is what I had. For okay, it. go ahead. Maryland. Yeah, Maryland's favored. <clears throat> um, I'm laying the points on Maryland. I Terps haven't played once since November 7th. They've had three games canceled against Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan. And somehow Rutgers has played all seven of its games. I mentioned this earlier, but only three teams will have actually played all seven games by the end of the weekend. Penn State, Rutgers, and Iowa. I do wonder how much that takes a toll on a team in a season in which the Big Ten gave its schools zero breaks. So I think that's something to consider. And Talia Tongovailoa, Maryland's quarterback, I think he has a lot of potential. He did throw three touchdowns in games against Minnesota and Penn State. So I like the Terps to cover in this one at home. The thing about this game is that Maryland has dudes and Rutgers really doesn't. You know, Maryland has some guys out there that are are flashy skill position players. And Rakim Jarrett, despite the fact that Maryland has not played for a while, is somebody who's going to be playing in the NFL, and you have to love uh, Tonga Vailoa's ability as a quarterback. The guy can spin it. And, you know, I think Rutgers, for the most part this year, has done a pretty good job, Jesse, of, of hanging in there. Um, you know, they, they started the season beating Michigan State. Then they didn't get blown off the field by a very good Indiana team, as we've come to find out. Even Ohio State, they ran every single trick play in the history of football, including the annexation of Puerto Rico, and they still, you know, didn't get, like, usually that game 65 to nothing. It was 49-27. They lost in the last second to Illinois. They almost beat Michigan. They beat Purdue. Like, this is a competent football team. So, I don't know that I'm in a situation right now, despite the fact that I think Maryland is more physically talented, to ever lay two scores against Rutgers in a game where Maryland hasn't proven that they can do anything. And, you know, I don't know if it's rest or – is it rest or rust? I'm going to bank on rust. I'm going to go Rutgers, and part of the reason why I'm doing that is because I'm going to catch you. Yes. Well, I think it's only fair then that you make the next two picks. I'll make the last one. That way I've made the majority of the picks first, which you will clearly pick the opposite. Um, Okay, I'll go first since you're changing the rules in the middle of the thing. That's Um, what we do. This is Big Ten 2020. Yeah. You know, and it's rational and reasonable. How about that? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so the next game we have here is let's just go Penn State, Michigan State. Has Michigan State... Okay, so Penn State's minus 14 and a half. Is that the number that you have? I think I saw minus 15 last. Okay, well, same same thing. We'll go 14 and a half so there's no pushes. Give me the points. I know that Michigan State um, had a long day on Saturday, and I think that was a very motivated team for Ohio State to make a statement. I don't know that that is something that I would question Michigan State's toughness um, or ability. I just think that Ohio State had to make a point, and they made it. And... I think it's possible, too, that Michigan State might have found a new quarterback because uh, Thorne looked pretty awesome in the second half and I think came uh, 11-11 for his first 11 passes against Ohio State's secondary in the third quarter, and I was impressed with what I saw from him. I don't know if we think Penn State has found it. I'll let you decide whether you think they found it. I don't know that they found it. I'm not laying three scores. I don't care if they're home. I'm not laying, I'm not giving three scores for anybody against Penn State right now unless people think they're going to finish – you know, three and five or four and five, but like, what have they done to prove? I mean, was last week's win enough to prove that you think that they have a pulse? I, I think that, um, you know, beating Rutgers and beating Michigan back to back weeks, it's kind of turning in the right direction, but I don't know that I'm comfortable, uh, you know, giving three scores away. Well, let's keep it interesting. I'm going to lay the points on Penn State at home. To me, Michigan State's kind of been an enigma and. Yeah, they beat Michigan and Northwestern and yet lost by a combined 106 points to Iowa, Indiana, and Ohio State. I realize those are good teams and Penn State is not on that level. 
But I feel like the Nittany Lions have found something after starting 0-5 by winning a couple of games. So I'm going to go Penn State on this one. And like I said, keep it weird. We've got three picks in, and and we differ on three of them. Okay, so we have one more to go, I think. Uh, with, or two, two more, more to go. go. Okay. Illinois, Don't forget about the Big Ten West, my friend. Yeah, Illinois, well, I just – that's the better side of the conference this year, so I, I shouldn't. Uh, Northwestern versus Illinois. Uh, Northwestern's at home, and I think they're also laying 14 points, right? Yeah, I think 14 and a half. 14 and a half, okay. Uh, so you want me to go first? Yeah, I do. Northwestern's got a really solid defense. I know I make fun of Illinois every week, and it comes to bite me every week. Uh, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reverse course. Uh, I think three scores is the – taking the three scores is the play of the week for me. And I'm going dog. I went uh, favorites all last week, and it didn't turn out so well for me. So um, I think Illinois has got a pulse offensively. Uh, I don't think Northwestern has a particularly explosive offense. Northwestern now is going to be playing Ohio State a week from now, so I think there's a spot there for they to look ahead a little bit. Um, and, you know, Northwestern wins a bunch of games by, what, like six and seven? Like, I don't know. Um, I guess not the Maryland game, right? But, you know, they beat Iowa by one. They beat Nebraska by eight. They beat Purdue by seven. They beat Wisconsin by ten. They've only won one game all year by double digits, and now we're going to lay three scores. Give me the points. I'm going to stick to my notes, even though I very well could change right now so we have the same, but I'm picking Northwestern to cover. You're absolutely right. Wildcats have only beaten one team by more than ten points this season. That was the opener, a 43-3 victory against Maryland. I thought Illinois showed some life against Iowa. Brandon Peters and Isaiah Williams combined to throw three touchdowns and no picks. Well, those two guys also completed just 50% of their passes. And I think with Northwestern having an extra week because Minnesota canceled last week, and then that coming on the heels of Northwestern's first loss against Michigan State, that the Wildcats put it together because I think their defense is going to show up and show out against an Illinois team that will struggle. And it's not like Northwestern is an offensive juggernaut. I'm just picking Northwestern to cover. So four picks in, four different, and I'm sure we'll go two and two, and it won't matter. I'm going 4-0 this week. It's called regression to the mean. Okay, Minnesota yeah. plus 10.5 at Nebraska. Um, well, you could probably finish my sentence for me based on the theme of this week. Why are teams that aren't very good laying multiple scores? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Nebraska's uh, one of those teams, right, too, that, like, uh, can come out and, like, look awesome for some reason out of nowhere. And they kind of did that a little bit against Penn State. You know, didn't they score a ton of points against Purdue? Uh, so you never quite know exactly. But I don't know that Nebraska has earned the right, especially considering the fact they're only two weeks removed or three weeks removed from losing to Illinois by a 1,000 <laughs> to be laying double-digit scores against anybody. Um, a lot of these games that we pick every week, too, are I-do-not-touch games in real life. Um, so it's super difficult, but... I'm just going to stick with the dog theme this week and and go uh, uh, against North. I mean uh, Nebraska. Sorry. Yeah, on this one, I, I've got Minnesota too as a double digit underdog. I feel like, first of all, Muhammad Ibrahim has quietly had one of the best seasons by a running back in the Big Ten. I don't know how many people are talking about him, but he's averaging 163.4 yards rushing and 13 touchdowns for the season. So I think that. That will play a factor in this game. I know Nebraska's played better football the last two weeks with the close loss to Iowa and the win against Purdue. But I think that Minnesota, after not playing for three weeks, uh, will be ready to go. And 10.5 just feels like a lot for me for a Nebraska team that's not very good. So I'm going Minnesota. Jesse, we went 30 but, minutes this week, and we haven't even talked about the Ohio State-Michigan game. Do we have to like get that in, or do that, I just refer people to the 4-6 to six of A and B? We don't need to talk about it at all because it's not happening, and you already talked about Ohio State for 20 minutes. 
I talked about What's the Big talk Ten about? rule for 20 minutes. I didn't talk about Ohio State for 20 minutes. Um, well, if you want to hear more Ohio about State. the Ohio State-Michigan situation, both from a competitive standpoint and uh, where the rivalry is headed and how bad it is that the Big Ten didn't try to preserve it both before and after it was canceled, um, you can listen to 4 to 6 with A and B with uh, the Ohio State podcast that I co-host with Bill Landis. Um, thank you so much for... Uh, sitting through 30 minutes of me and Jesse. I'm sorry that I've let you down so far this year, but I feel like 4-0 and is coming. What do you think? Well, there's five games picked, so I don't know how you could go 4-0. and Hey, it's, uh, it's, I think we're recording this, this on Thursday, week. so are we sure they're all going to be played? This is a, this is a, that was cautionary. Yeah, that's true. I, I think this is your one week to catch up, and if you can't do it now, it's never going to happen. So Godspeed, Ari. Yeah, well, it was a nice uh, conversation with you, Jesse. I always enjoy being joined by you on uh, on Friday, and thanks to you all for listening to the Big Football Show, and, and good luck this weekend.